about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Let's pray first before we get going. Father, we thank you this evening for your love, for your mercy. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. He will open the eyes of our understanding. He'll make us of quick understanding this evening. It is our choice, it is our decision that we will receive the Word of God and give it place and entrance into our lives. We say, come thy kingdom, be done thy will in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody uh, needs any paper to take notes and you didn't bring any paper or pencils, we have paper and pencils up here available to you. You have your handout sheets. I encourage you to make your own notes on the handout sheets. And then because, as we said before, the Spirit of God will speak, show something particularly out to you that the next person may not see here. They get something different but it's something that applies to you. So therefore, if you write it down, you can go back and look at it and study it more in just a passing here this evening. <clears throat> well, the heading on the sheet this evening says, Abundance is the will of God. And it absolutely is. Everything he's ever done is that way. And we will see that in several illustrations and scriptures here this evening as we go on. <clears throat> We're going to start off with Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a promise for all of us. If we have a lack or a want in our lives, we need to go and let the good shepherd know about it. And we have an ear to hear what he says unto us. That's our decision. That's our choice. That should be our confession as well. Say, I have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God says, says to me. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Well, if there's green flowing grass over your head and you're going to lie down in it, you must already be pretty full. You're satisfied. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters. We want and need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And the good news is he's available to do that. 24, 365, as he says. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Who is our righteousness? Jesus is the one that purchased righteousness for us. And notice how many times here he's saying in the psalm that he leadeth me. That he leadeth me. Again, that is what he wants to do for us. And we can and will have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to us. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, <clears throat> this particular verse where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it reminds me of, uh, I really can't tell you who it was now, but it was years ago, a minister was preaching, and he was bringing something out about a dog, whether he was going to try to bite you or whatever the situation. I don't remember it entirely, but I do remember this. He said, the shadow of a dog never bit anybody. And it's the shadow sometimes, the darkness, the obscure, that can cause us maybe to get fearful, a word, whatever the situation is. <clears throat> but it's just a shadow of death. It's not death to you and I. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. <clears throat> the comfort of the Holy Ghost. He's known as the comforter, is he not? And that's exactly what he does for us. That's exactly what he does for us. He's there, to, he's there for a whole lot more than that, but he'll cause us to be comforted as well. <clears throat> Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. So he prepares a table, and he's prepared it in such a way that we're going to have runover. Well, if you got running over, then you got leftovers. Leftovers are all right. <coughs> Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. <clears throat> that word, the Hebrew word there, runneth over, means this. Satisfaction runneth over in wealthy. Wealthy? That's what it says. I'm going to be reading a lot of definitions to you this evening because they're very important. I encourage you, if you do not ever already have a Bible or a device or a tablet or your phone or something where you can begin to look the word meanings up, both in the New and Old Testament, you're going to find it very, extremely helpful. Let me put it that way. And I shared last week about the eSword Bible study software that is free. If you don't already have one, I would encourage you to look into that. Because the word tells us to study ourselves approved unto God. is workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, if he wants us to rightly divide the word of truth, there must be an instance or a situation where you could wrongly divide the word of truth. And I assure you, many churches don't rightly interpret the truth of God's word because they're going by situations. They're going by their denominational doctrine or whatever. But you and I, we need to know the truth of God's word because it is what's going to affect our lives for better in every area, but it definitely will affect our lives for better. Verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good choice, that's a good desire, and that's a good confession as well. 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's where our peace is going to come from. That's where our joy is going to come from. That's where our health is going to come from. And in this case, we're talking about finances in the kingdom of God. That's where your finances are going to come from. Is we yield ourselves to the word of God. Again, study to show thyself to prove. You don't have to worry about approving your neighbor, your cousin, your uncle, your whoever. But you is the one we want to show ourselves to prove unto God. He takes care of the blessing. He doesn't need to be reminded. He never falls down on the job. If we do our part, if we do our part, we will be well supplied. I thought I lost my well supply of water there for a minute, but <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> Goodness and mercy follow me, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This whole Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and several of these verses we just went through. Oh man, I never did give you my note. It's a good time to think about it now. <clears throat> You'll notice in the very first line, Psalm 23, way over to the end of it, it says verse 2. Well, that's only because <clears throat> I didn't want to mess up my spacing on my paper so I could leave you space to take notes and all. So the very first line is obviously 1, but the verse 2 is referring to the next line, verse 3 to the next line right on down. So they will fit. Does something happen in here? Here we go. Something's happening here. Glory to God. Thinks it's going to play with us. But. Power! The battery's up. Battery's up. Okay. Look out, squirrel. Glory to God. As I was calmly saying, Genesis 36, verses 6 and 7 is a picture of too much and abundance. This is what it's going to be a picture of being. And again, to interpret notes for you, actually, we'll give you a little test. At the end, when you see it says the reference Genesis 36, 6 to 7, go to the end, the right end of that line, 
And it says, BBE and GW translations. Well, you already got somewhat of a hit because you know it's a translation. Any idea what BBE or GW refer to? And when I don't get any answers, it'll be safe to say $100 to the person. <laughs> okay, BBE, not that this is earth-shattering, but BBE is Bible in Basic English. That is the translation. We'll be reading from it in a minute. And the GW is another translation called... God's Word. God's Word, there you go. $100. Half a buck. <laughs> Slow on the ball. <laughs> we should have answered when you get the GW. All right, enough of the G, enough of the BBEGW and everything else. Let's look at Genesis 36, 6. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance. He's got a lot of alls here, huh? All his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. Verse 7. For their riches were more than they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. They had so much substance, so much this, so much that, and everything else, and especially so much cattle between them. The amount of land that actually... Uh, where am I at right here? The amount of land that Jacob had actually taken, he ends up, because if, if you put this in context, if you started reading back from here, you're going to read about the, all the different tribes. They had a chance to go into the land and spy out and take what they're going to do after they already threw the other people out. Well, some didn't do that. Believe it or not, some didn't do that. And you'll see it in the scripture. But in this case, Jacob's got to help them out. And the two of them, the reason this is recorded that way is because it says, For their riches were more than that they might dwell together in the land wherein they were strangers, could not bear them because of their cattle. He had too much. It was overflow. But it wasn't too much for them to have it. We don't read a paragraph here anywhere saying God says, oh, you never should have taken that much. You don't see that anywhere. But this is just giving us an understanding of what was going on here. A picture of too much abundance. All right, we're going to go to the uh, Bible in basic English translation first. <clears throat> and it reads this way. Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the people of his house, and his beast, and his cattle, and all his goods, which he had got together in the land of Canaan, and went into the land of Seir, away from his brother Jacob. Well, if we stop reading right there, you'd think, ah, he's ticked at his brother Jacob. Things ain't going too good between them. Well, that's not the case at all. For their wealth was so great that the land was not wide enough for the two of them in all their cattle. That's why they were moving on. Why was that again? i read it again. For their wealth was so great that the land was not wide enough for the two of them 
and all their cattle. That's why they were going to have this different separation because how much they had. Now, we don't read anything again about God scolding them. You, you took too much. You can't even live with what you got now. You got to move on. God wants you and I to have abundance. That is his will. And that's part of what we're going to see this evening. And it's part of what you and I are going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're going to renew that mind, not with popular mechanics and Reader's Digest and everything else, and there may be a place for all those, but what you're going to renew your mind is, is the Word of God, specifically as the Spirit of God brings it to you. And that's his job. Okay, so our other one was God's Word. We'll read some of the things, but in God's Word. Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the members of his household, his possessions, all his cattle, and everything he had accumulated in Canaan, and went to another land away from his brother, away from his brother Jacob. He did this because they had too many possessions to live together. There was not enough pasture land for all their livestock. So they were well supplied. And if you read, not in these translations, but previous backfather tells about not only did he have all these possessions and stuff, but he had hired all kinds of servants from the land he was in working from. So it took a lot of people to have this huge spread with all these cattle and everything else. And so they were, very good, they were in very good shape. And so hence, that's why we have mentioned here too much and abundance. <clears throat> so again... We want to renew our minds to too much and abundance. These are Bible characters, if you will. And again, we do not see them being reproved for taking too much. We see them, I mean, there's plenty of instances in too much, and we'll begin to see them. So that's what we want to begin to think. Allow that to not only be transformed by the renewing of our mind, but our spirit, man, allow our spirit, man, to grab a hold of that. Begin to have some confidence and faith in God's word and what he is saying here. Now, as I've said in many different sessions as in times past, we're in no way trying to say that, well, this is the most important thing in the Bible for you to get rich. No, I wouldn't say that. I guess maybe the most important thing is to start with is get born again. Become a child of the living God so you won't have to go to hell in a handbasket even so. <clears throat> But Jesus is our Savior and our provider. And God is the Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he want, he's withholding nothing from us. If we don't have what we see in these scriptures, that's our bad. And all we have to do is apply ourselves. <clears throat> all right. Be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's drop down to 2 Corinthians 9, 8 now. And let me get the right translation back here. Those that have been in our classes before, and some of you will say, well, what do you mean before? Well, this is not the first time that we've taught on finances. And so this particular 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, we will certainly be touching on it later. This is just to fit in to go on with what we're talking about tonight. And let me stop talking so I can get the right place. Here. Thank you. I'll be with you in a minute. 
Okay. If we read from what I note, say, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Look in the mirror and see that face there, and that's you. That's who God's going to do it for. God is able to, abound, to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having, may abound also. <clears throat> I'll, I'll mention this note before I forget it as well. We've certainly discussed this before, but it's not totally uncommon, but it's rare, let's put it this way, that you'll find two chapters in succession in the Bible, whether it's Old or New Testament, that's talking about the exact same thing. When you look and read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, those entire chapters have to do with finances and giving and receiving and sowing and reaping and all that and the way it's tied in. And we will look at that. We will get to that down the road. But before I forgot to mention that, all right, let's go here, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to a Jew that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Well, there's a lot of good works around out there. I heard there's a good work down, where is it? I think it's... Fort Pierce, Florida, someplace. In fact, they call it the Treasure Coast Victory Center. But there's a lot of good works around. A lot of good works around. And God wants to enable us, help us to get to the point where we can supply many good works. Now, could you supply them all? I suppose you could in some situations, and at some times. <clears throat> But that's his desire. God is able to make all grace abound to a Jew, that she, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. All right. I want to look up a couple definitions in here, in here as well. Uh, <clears throat> those translations, I'll wait for a second till we jump to them. I want to go where it says God is able. Let's look up that word able. Here's what the word able means in the Greek. Powerful, capable, possible, strong. Able, powerful, and mighty. Mighty in wealth and influence. Isn't it interesting how when people get wealthy, they begin to have some influence? Other people will listen to them. Whether it's church association, whether it's governmental positions, whether it's an organization or a business or a corporation that they run or whatever, people begin to listen to them. Well, that's part of our being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Allow the Spirit of God to show us and to guide us in what He can do and what He wants to do in us. This is for every Christian, by the way. This isn't just not for, well, those that have been around in the way for 15, 20 years, maybe they can have some whatever. No. The day you entered the kingdom of God, this was all available to you. Well, how come I never heard about it? Well, if you never heard about it, 
Maybe somebody never preached it to you, but certainly if you're newly born again, you can't read that entire Bible in one day. And if you did have some super fast speed reading course, you wouldn't grasp anything. Or I shouldn't say you wouldn't grasp anything, but you'd only be able to grasp what you're going to be able to contain and accept or whatever. <clears throat> All right, now our notes also tell us we're going to look at the Weymouth and the CEV translations. Well, you already know what one of them is because it's called Weymouth. How about the CEV? Who wants to venture a guess on that one? You'll have a couple minutes. I'm going to go to the Weymouth one first. <clears throat> the Weymouth translation of 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says this, And God is able to bestow every blessing on you in abundance, so that richly enjoying all sufficiency at all times, you may have ample means for all good works. I think we better read that one again. <laughs> God is able. Is God able? Yep. Probably none of us in this room this evening. You're thinking, well, that ought to be a good one. That's a pretty negative statement. No, I said probably none of us in this room this evening are totally satisfied in the financial position we're in right now. And uh, if you're satisfied where you are now, can we believe that God would have more for us? You cannot outgive God, but he can outgive us. <laughs> he already has, has he not? Paid, Jesus paid a pretty heavy price. Okay. And God is able to bestow every blessing on you in abundance. Not just going to give you a blessing, he's going to do it in abundance. Abundance is more than enough. So that richly enjoying all sufficiency at all times. I mean, there's no day of the month that is lacking in this reference. At all times. You may have ample means for all good works. Again, seeing good ministries, good works, you're enabled to help others. And as we begin to walk in that, in God's will and in his kingdom, then it will be more to us because he can see that we can be trusted. We're good students with what he get, good stewards with what he gives us. Good students also, hopefully. But, <clears throat> but that's very important. Pastor Tom touched on that just a short while back. We have to be good stewards if God's going to trust us with wealth. And, and we will have to be there. And you can do it. You can absolutely do it because the Holy Spirit wants to help you do it. And that's where God wants you. And so the natural mind will think, well, no, wait a minute. I mean, what if all kinds of believers all of a sudden begin to see this and teach this? And guess what? They're going to. There's going to come a change in the body of Christ on this planet before Jesus comes back. And there's going to be believers that operate in this. They're already awesome. They're already awesome. Awesome. I know several ministers, several, several, and we, if we have the time sometime, we'll go into some of the things that they do. They are very, 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 very well. I mean, they spend millions and millions of dollars on ministry. Well, how could you possibly spend millions of dollars in ministry? Because that's what God's provided them with. Well, why would he provide them with that? 
or because they're good stewards and they're giving to ministries not only all over the United States, all over the world. All over the world. Maybe we'll, if we have time as we go on, somebody remind me to share a little story on Keith Moore. If you don't know who Keith Moore is, that's okay. Look him up. Google him. Do whatever you can do. He's a, he's a minister. <clears throat> he, okay, we're not talking about Keith right now. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm supposed to be going to the CEV here. CEV is Contemporary English Version. That's all it means. It's just another translation. So we're going to read this same scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, in the CEV translation. God can bless you with everything you need. That sounds pretty good. And you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. Well, that is pretty plain English, is it not? God can bless you with everything you need. You say, well, if he can bless me with everything you need, bring it on. Load me up tonight. Well, there is this studying to show ourselves proved unto God so we can comprehend the word of God. And then there is this situation of us beginning to be stewards, good stewards, so we can be trusted. That's why we started off our session with a very, very important topic, which was the tithe. The first tenth that's holy and belongs to God. That is a very rudimentary, preliminary step that all of us, when we enter the kingdom of God, have to see and grasp a hold of. And then that will enable us <clears throat> to become good stewards. So one time again, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the CEV. God can bless you with everything you need, and you will always have more than enough to do all all kinds of good things for others. I mean, it's one place says it's more blessed to give than receive. Well, if that's the case, then we should be encouraged to be doing something for others. It is a blessing to give to other people. Because you know, it, when you are the individual doing that, you'll know that it blesses them as well. And that's what God would have us do. All right, we already mentioned about the two chapters, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and you can certainly look at those on your own before we ever get to them, but at some point before all of our sessions are done, we'll be covering those again. All right, get back to the King James. All right, let's, let's look at the next one that says, we are to be the lender, not the borrower. When you and I are the lender and not the borrower, we're in the promised land, financially speaking. That's what God would want you and I to be. We'll see a little bit of that as we go into the scriptures here. But God didn't design for you and I to be the borrower and somebody else a lender. He wants us to be the lenders. Well, in order to lend, you've got to have something. If somebody says, I need to, I got this going on, this going on, and I need to borrow 50 bucks. Could you help me out with that? Another side note. When that situation happens, I would suggest that you check right in here. Not C-H-E-C-K as in checkbook, 
but you check right in here in your spirit. Somebody else's lack of planning, somebody else's slothfulness, somebody else's lack of stewardship doesn't automatically mean you need to meet that need. Now, I am not telling you to not help somebody out. I'm telling you, look in here. He knows what's going on. And he can show you things. And if that were the situation, qualifying word, if that was the situation, you'll be able to share some of the word of God with them. What the spirit of God shows you and why. And then you can pray for them that God would supply their need. Now, they, they may still have to go to somebody else. I don't know that. But the fact is, if they're desirous and they're serious and they go to God and make a request before God, he can absolutely supply that need. Right. And you can at times. Again, I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm simply saying you should check in here. And the reason being, we do not need somebody else's need to be our lead. We want to be led by the Holy Ghost. And he's well capable of doing that. Glory to God. All right, so we're going to Deuteronomy 28. This is a popular part of the Bible in this discussion we're in as well. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. We'll read it in the King James first, and then you can see after we get done, we're going to look in the CEV as well. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. We are definitely going to go through here in a minute or two and look up some of these definitions and words. I was talking about how they're important because I know what many of these mean, having looked them up, and they're, they're going to be enlightening, to say the least. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You think it's possible for blessings to overtake you? We're going to see some instances tonight. Let me read these again. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. They keep talking about the voice of the Lord thy God, do they not? Well, guess what their voice is today? It's this Word of God right here, and it's the Holy Spirit in you. Many times you'll find out, I mean, when I prepare for these things, I'll be thinking about something, or if I'm listening to a minister, 
listen to several different ministers, make sure they're good ones in the Word of God, and there are plenty of them out there. But they'll be ministering something, and you'll be taking notes, and all of a sudden, wham, this thought comes up. Well, when you've studied to show yourself to prove, it makes it much easier for the Spirit of God to show you something, because he can bring that thought, and wham, you know what that fits with, and just get the old pencil or pen and write something down right then. You can come back to it. When you see that note later on, you'll know exactly what it means. I need to look this up and why, because it was quickened to you. He'll do that for everybody, everyone in here. He wants to do it for everybody. All right, we're supposed to... Uh, no, I want to look at some of these definitions in the King James. You know why I want to look in the King James? This is very deep. Only because the CEV don't give me the definition, so King James does. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken, hearken diligently, to hear intelligently, to hear intelligently, with attention, with obedience. Obedience is what it's going to take in all of our lives in this area of finances and in any area in the kingdom of God. Obedience. Hearken diligently to the Lord thy God to observe and to do. Observe is the word shama, and it means to hedge about as with thorns, to guide, to protect, to attend to, to attend to. Almost sounds like Fort Knox. To guide to protect, to attend to. Well, in this, in, this, uh, in this reference, what it's saying is, diligently enter the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do. We're going to observe what he's saying to us. We're going to have an ear to hear, but when we receive that, we're going to guide it and protect it, like, such as it's valuable, like Fort Knox. They have all kinds of computer systems, aided guidance, and everything else down there because there's some treasure there. Well, this is treasure, is it not? This treasure is going to last a whole lot longer, been around a whole lot longer, anything that's in Fort Knox. <clears throat> okay, I'll just commence. Which I command thee this day. I enjoin thee. I appoint thee, I give thee a charge. That's what that word means. He enjoins us, he appoints us, and he gives us the charge, a command to do something. Hence we can see the importance of this. God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. How about on high? Let's look at that one. Elevation, lofty. Supreme, Most High. He's going to set us on high. When the Most High is operating in your life, you are on high. All these blessings. The implication is prosperity, blessing, liberal, pool. Prosperity, blessing, liberal pool. <clears throat> All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Now, I wonder what that might mean. 
to reach an ability to attain, to take hold of. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. That, again, what we're reading is God's will for our life. The blessing of the Lord. All right, we'll read it quickly here in the CEV before we move on. In the contemporary English version, it says this. Today, I am giving you the laws and teachings of the Lord your God. Always obey them, and the Lord will make Israel the most famous and important nation on earth, and he will bless you in many ways. We better read that one again. Again, this is in reference to verse 2 in Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> uh, actually, no, verse 1. Today I'm giving you the laws and teachings of the Lord your God. Always obey them, and the Lord will make Israel the most famous and important nation on earth, and he will bless you in many ways. Now, when he's referring to Israel here, it's because that who, that's who this is in Deuteronomy. That's who they're talking about, God's chosen people. Well, is, is Israel Israelis Jewish people? Are they different? Well, they're different in many areas. For one thing, their Bible reads from the right to the left, not from the left to the right. Well, that's very minor. <clears throat> but let me ask you this. Is it true that many Jewish people walk in wealth? It is not because they're favorites and nobody else can get it. It's because from a whippersnapper, they started getting this stuff taught to them. Because their parents started getting this stuff taught to them when they were whippersnappers. I have some Jewish friends. I've worked for some Jewish people and all. And, I mean, there's, I guess there's like anything else, there's good ones and bad ones. I've been fortunate to know the good ones. Uh, but, again, we are in the body of Christ right now. What he desired for them in the blessing in the Old Testament, he desires for right now, today. We are not excluded in the least. We are included. <clears throat> Okay, uh, Amen. Amen. We, we need to move on. We're going to drop down to uh, we ought to be the lender and not the borrower. Actually, this is the one we did start with, though, right? Okay, okay. Well, we have not read verses 12 and 13 yet, have we not? All right, so I better go back to the King James. You might have read them by reading your notes and doing the right thing, but I don't think I covered them yet. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 12 and 13. Yeah, I'll be reading this from the King James so we, again, can have the definitions and all. 
The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. He's not saying that you better not borrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going to borrow. Fact is, they're not going to need to borrow because of the blessing God upon them. And I believe it says that in one of the translations. Verse 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. Remember that word observe we looked up earlier was to, to God protect and attend to whatever. <clears throat> so this is the will of God for them. This is the will of God for you and I. But we will have to learn how to not, not be the borrower, but be the lender. We'll have, to learn, we'll have to learn how to be a good steward in the kingdom of God with what he entrusts us with and all. And so it's like line upon line, precept upon precept, it says. You don't go, when somebody get, comes out of kidney garden, they don't jump to the sixth grade. And I mean, and if they did, well, there's something happening here that just ain't exactly clear. I mean, there could be a child, there could be a child at that age, the boom, he's an Einstein or something, it would be extremely rare, but I mean, generally speaking, out of kidney garden, you go to the first grade. All right, enough of the schoolwork there. Let's get down to Luke chapter 5. New Testament, all right. Nothing wrong with the Old Testament, that's for sure. We need it all. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. And if we look at our notes, if I look at the notes also, Jesus' first disciples is what we're going to find in this section of Scripture from Luke 5, 1 to 11. We're going to see that he demonstrated the kingdom of God. And how about those last two words on that line? I think some here... Lambano means to take and get a hold of. We'll probably get to that. But Raymer, well, I could tell you, Raymer is the name of a Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one that Kenneth Hagin started. Well, the only reason that Bible school is called Raymer is because what Brother Hagin used to teach. We'll get to that. We'll go to the definition of that so you can see it. All right, let's start reading in Luke 5 and 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And I think this next line is very interesting. And he entered into one of the ships. <laughs> The ships are there in very shallow water, probably pulled up on the, the shoreline of the lake. 
and they're washing their nets in the water, Jesus jumps in the boat. Hello. <coughs> it does say, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Well, I don't have a ship here this evening, so I can't teach you out of the ship, but <coughs> we're teaching in the same room anyhow. Now, when he had left speaking, because there was a group of people on the shoreline, he was standing there for a while previously ministering and teaching to them. He sees this ship. Wise move to stop and think about it. He sees nobody in the boat, asks if they can use it. He thrusts out a little. Now he's preaching from the ship to those on the shoreline. Did you know that voices and sounds travel better over the water? <clears throat> so anyhow, something going on here. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, he's the individual that he asked, would you thrust out a little into the water? Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. <clears throat> that means a haul of fish. And Simon answering saith unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I write right in this fifth verse of this fifth chapter of Luke, this is where these words are going to come in, the ones that are on your notes, Raymond Lambano. Simon answering saith unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing and have taken nothing. What does that word taking sound like it might be out of these two words on the end of the line there? Does it sound like Rhema or Lambano? It is. G2983. It'll always be G29. The G for Greek, the number 2983, that is the Greek word lambano. He says, we have taken nothing. Now, I certainly don't imagine that Simon knew the definition of that word and what he was saying. But he's basically saying, we didn't even take anything. We didn't get a hold of anything. <clears throat> we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That word, word, is the word rhema, Greek 4487. And actually, let me give you that. That word means, that word rhema, as we're calling it, in the Greek that's what it's called, it's an utterance. It's a matter of topic. It's a saying, it's a word. That which is or has been uttered by the living voice, the thing spoken. That's what the word rhema means. And it will become very applicable in your life. When you, you and I make decrees, we make positive confessions, we command the adversary to go or whatever, we're speaking the word of God, the command of God. That which is or has been uttered by the living voice, the spoken word. Any sound produced by the voice and having a definite meaning. <clears throat> a series of words joined together into a sentence, a declaration 
of one's mind made in words. That's what this word rhema is meaning, so. <clears throat> All right. I think we can pass that one now because we're getting close to the t end here anyhow. Let's drop to the very bottom so we can get this last verse and then we'll come and look at the two lines I made comments in. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Poverty is a curse. You know something? Hang on. Don't, don't, if, you haven't, if you lost your play, you didn't lose it. I told you to go a different place. But it just dawned on me, I didn't read enough of this. And notes telling us 5, 1 through 11, and that's exactly what we, what we do. Well, we got the 5, and that's where our other words were standing out. So let me just read a little bit more to you. And when they had done this, <clears throat> when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so, and so also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. That's why the heading, if your Bible shows that this particular section of Scripture, Luke 5 from verse 1 to 11, is entitled, Jesus calls his first disciples. He didn't do a Zoom call. He didn't do any other type of call. He didn't have an iPhone. But he spoke to them. You notice how he noticed the situation, began to make a request of them, then responded once that request was met and gave them a boat load and boat sinking load of fish. Because that is the kingdom of God. Too much abundance is the will of God. All right, now we can jump down to 2 Corinthians uh, up or down here. Let's see. We need to go 2 Corinthians 8. In verse 9. The heading on my note says, Poverty is a curse. Book of Deuteronomy, you can read page after page about the curse and the blessings. Blessings and the curse. I believe the blessings were, I forget right now, Lawson's trying to make it up. Poverty is a curse. Let's read this 2 Corinthians 8 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor 
that ye through his poverty might be rich. It cost him his life. He, he is. I was going to say he was. Well, he wasn't. He still is. He's the son of God. But he had, to, he had to agree with the plan and purpose of God for him to come to this earth and take our place. And he did that. Hence it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I'm going to look up that first word, rich, there. Let's see what it's going to tell us it means. Oh, imagine that. Wealthy, abounding, rich. Abounding in material resources. Because sometimes we can think, well, well, they're just talking about spiritual. They want you to be rich in your soul and your faith. Well, you want to be rich in soul and your faith. But it is not just spiritual situations. It is our lives, this land, the stuff we live and move and have our being in. He's talking about kingdom of God assets, wealthy, abounding in material resources. <clears throat> okay, and my end note there says we want to look at it in the King James and in the Williams translation. Well, we just read the King James, so let me go to the Williams translation. I wonder if I wrote the wrong one. Oh, you know why? Hmm. On my desktop computer, with a nice big screen, I can have a lot more of the ESOD program listed and shown, and I have a lot more translations there that I can pick from. Uh, I mean, I could in here, but we're not going to take the time because we don't have it. I could go download that translation and get it. But anyhow, and I'd have to tell you, right now, I do not exactly mean what that William translation is going to tell us. I can tell you this, it was going to be very good. It was going to go along with what we just read. But I don't know the definition of that. So there. <clears throat> you might want to take, take minus 10 points off mine for that. Will you, Tasha, if you're keeping record there or whatever? <clears throat> William's translation. You meant to keep more. Aha! Okay. Keith Moore was a, uh, thank you. I say he was, he still is, he hasn't gone anywhere, so. <laughs> I want to go back to, I was in, I went to Raymer in 1981. Uh, and, actually I'm not sure if, Ke I don't believe Keith was there then. Because we went in 1981, the Raymer Bible Training Center was started in 1975. But anyhow, for years, Keith Moore worked for Brother Hagen in his ministry. He, he first just started by doing anything that needed to be done and then was faithful in things. And then they had him teach a course. Start with a course, see how you do. Well, he progressed and progressed. The blessing of God was on him because he was yielding his life to the Spirit of God. And then Brother Hagen asked him if he'd like to minister in the healing center, the healing school. They have a ski, uh, yeah, sure, they have a skiing. They have a healing school five days a week. People literally come from all over the country. If they have to be brought in an ambulance and go in in a wheelchair or bed, they do it. Because they're going there because they want to have the prayer of faith spoken over them. 
and they have many, many, many fantastic healings there, but we can't go into all that. So anyhow, Keith began to progress, and he became a right-hand man there for many years. And then at some point, they felt they were praying about, well, I think we need to go on our own ministry now. And so, and I'm going to try to briefen this up a lot here. So he went to Brother Hagen about it, and Brother Hagen says, sure, he should have been here a long while and done good, he says. If that's what you feel the Spirit of God is telling you to do, by all means, go and we'll, you know. I think I can hit the right button this week, Tasha. Yeah, evidently he did, so. So anyhow, they did that. They went on the road, and he knew plenty of ministers. That, I mean, Raymond has camp meetings every year and stuff like that and big meetings. He knew people from all over the country. He went on the road, and he's a very capable preacher. And so he had places go all over the place, and it was gone. I want to say like two or three years, but don't quote me on that, but I think it was about that period of time. And then he began to become uneasy in his spirit. He's, what in the world is going on? I mean, we got plenty of people that want us to come all over and minister, but he began to sense that the Spirit of God was telling him, he's, you're fine on the road ministry, but just to discuss it, I never told you to leave Brother Hagin. And Keith got it right in here. And he's thinking to himself, oh man, I went and talked to Brother Hagin. That's right. Brother Hagin wasn't going to point it out to you because, again, you've been around for years now. You have to understand and take the leading of the Holy Spirit for yourself if you're going to grow and go on, which he has in great things. So you know what he did? Back to Brother Hagin. Told him. He says, I'm coming back to see you, number one. I'm not necessarily asking for a job position, but I want to tell you, it's come to my attention by the Spirit of God that I never should have left here anyhow. And so Brother Hagin said, we're glad to have you back. And so he went back to work there. Years after that, he started a church in Branson, Missouri. Branson, Missouri. You probably know about Branson, Missouri, don't you? Yeah. And so it's a tourist town and all that or whatever. But he had, and I was going to look up the history on that, and I forget it now, but there was a theater, because there's a lot of theaters and shows in Branson, Missouri. Well, there was this building that was a theater for years, but it sat empty. They bought it and then refurbished the whole thing. <clears throat> okay, you get it quickly on the story here, whatever. Then, and it's been several years now, I can't give you the date, but probably at least six to eight years ago, six to eight years ago or more, maybe up as much, many as ten, he then started a church in Sarasota, Florida. And it's booming. And people will ask him, what do you need a place in Sarasota, Florida? He says, I don't need a place in Sarasota, Florida. But that's where the Spirit of God told me to go. And so why I want to bring these up and all, for where they bought, and it's not a cheap place in Sarasota, Florida, they paid millions of dollars for it. All came in, everything's all paid. And then, and when this first happened, and I can't give you the date on it, but I know what I felt and saw in here, and I was wondering, hmm, how is that going to work? Keith started what he called at the time the word supply.
Now, when you went to his church in Branson, even then, anybody that was in that congregation that day, if they wanted a CD or something out of that, they could go back and get it. And then he had all kinds of other materials there. But then when God began to speak to him about the word supply, he's going to do this for no charge. And so his people asked him, well, how is that going to work? He's, I don't know right yet, but I know that's what the Spirit of God wants me to do. In fact, you know, it might be in another section because I obviously didn't get it on this note, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So anyhow, he started the word, word supply, and he has sent out millions, again, plural, S's on it, millions of dollars worth of tape, books, CDs, and stuff, you name it, all over the world. Whenever he does go out on a speaking engagement now, which is rare, because he just, haven't, just doesn't have the time. He's passed in two churches. <clears throat> but they bring with them truckloads, carloads of books, tapes, CDs, and everything else, and go to bless that church. And when the churches call ahead, one know if they can ever schedule thing in, and they'll ask, like many of them do, well, you know what? You know, sometimes the minister will tell them, well, we got to have like, you know, X number of amount of dollars for you to come for us to put this whole thing on. And then above and beyond that, then you can take your own offering. And so Keith doesn't operate that way. He goes to no church at any, I mean, he goes to every church at no expense. There is no expense. So ask him, well, what's your minimum? He says, read my lips. There is no cast. I'm coming to you because the Spirit of God is witnessing me. That's what he wants to do. And he brings all this material. And so don't you know he's got a lot of ministers wondering, how in the heck can he do this? And so now he's building another brand new building that's costing millions. In Branson, he's building this one now. It's just onto that property that they already had. And they did have to buy some more land. But it's a production center is what they're calling it. The Word Production Center. To... to Keep up with the load because there's now literally all over the world. Can you imagine some what a blessing that is to somebody in, in uh, Africa, let's say? They probably don't have two nickels running together because they don't even have nickels over there probably. But the point being, any material that Keith has got, they can have it to read it in the blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And he has no, say, so how can he possibly keep up and doing that? Because God don't run out of money, number one, and this man is a good steward. End of story. And so that's what he wants for you and I. You say, well, I, I, I ain't going to start no word center. No, we're going to start by being a good steward first. We're going to start by returning the first tenth, which is holy and belong unto him. We're going to start to study by show ourselves approved unto God and work with not to be ashamed. Then we'll go where anybody wants us to do. But guess what? Everybody in here has got a ministry. You may not know what it is right yet, but you will. You absolutely will, as long as you yield yourself to God. Okay, I have run over, so uh, <clears throat> uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had together this evening. I thank you specifically for everybody that's here physically this evening and be able to hear your word. I'm sure that the Holy Spirit has ministered to them already of that which you had me prepare.
And Father, for those that get the tapes, however they get something to go on, we, we prophesy right now that the anointing that is upon this word will touch everybody that is here this evening, and it will also come into the hands of those that are not here this evening, that are part of this body, part of this work, and they will receive from it as well. We yield ourselves to you, and we say again, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. shall be added.